Thank you, Janet Lee. And oh, did I ever enjoy all of those uh, songs. You know, I thank God for that. And I just praise God. Uh, I know some of you people out there would be wondering about these songs. Well, um, quite a few of those songs are songs that I have written. And uh, there are a few, a couple in there that were done by uh, the family, the members of the family. And uh, we're going to uh, start concentrating on some of these songs. We're going to try to have it so that um, you'll be able to know what the verses are. We're going to work on that. But I've written over 100 songs. And one of the reasons that we've decided to do this is we're having so many problems uh, with uh, the networking system uh, as regards copyright of songs. Even old songs like Amazing Grace and the Old Rugged Cross, uh, companies have gone out and, and uh, copyrighted them in their name, updated them, and uh, now uh, they're challenging anyone that, that uh, comes on and plays these songs or sings them without uh, getting permission. And uh, basically, they, some people, some of them want to be paid something, Others want uh, to be able to do f advertising. And uh, so we're going to work around a lot of that by uh, uh, doing a lot of our own songs. We, we have a very large uh, selection, and uh, we're, we'll let you know what, what is, uh, what's going on. Um, okay, so today, whoa, we have a lot to cover, and it will be very interesting. I want to start... Um, by reading to you out of uh, the Gospel of St. John, uh, because there is uh, a very important introduction here that I feel will just uh, open up this whole teaching in a, a very special way. In the Gospel of St. John, and uh, beginning uh, with chapter 1, uh, verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. Now it's talking about John the Baptist. And saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man, which is preferred before me, for he was before me. I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Now a lot of people had had problems with that verse. They say, what, do you, what does he mean he knew, knew him not? Uh, you know, John is like a cousin of Jesus. And uh, they all grew up together. Well, you have to listen to what he says. I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. So he, he totally does not say he didn't, doesn't know him except specifically that he knew that there was something even more uh, to the ministry than him just baptizing in water, and that uh, he did know that there was a baptism that was greater than the water baptism, uh, but uh, he was you know, waiting for it to be revealed to him by a sign. And he goes on, and in verse, um, uh, you know... Um, 32, 
And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but that, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, this is pretty awesome, this experience here. And this experience is really what launches in the magnitudes the ministry of Jesus Christ. And the symbol of that launching is about a dove, a bird. And in the the book of... Uh, Matthew 3.16, uh, Matthew also describes this event, but he talks about this dove descending and, uh, and then lighting upon Jesus. So we see between these two terms that are used, lighting upon Jesus, as described in Matthew 3.16, King James Version, and King James Version in St. John, where... where uh, John says, and it abode upon, upon him. We see then the very definition illustrated in a personified way because we teach that the Holy Spirit has various kinds of levels. But when an action takes place that is the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it then becomes a personification, which we call the Holy Ghost. And in the personifications of the Holy Ghost, we know of a time when it, the Holy Spirit was being poured out, uh, that there was a time when it reached maximums of fullness, and it talks about uh, a vision, a, a an appearance of, the, of tongues of fire. And this is another personification. So now this personification, though, that really launches the ministry, and, and it, it, it speaks about the person who, who has the power to, to give the Holy Ghost and, and who is the Son of God, which was verified by this bird dove that descended from heaven and came and lighted or landed upon Jesus. Thus began the ministry manifestations of the bird ministry. Now, to some people that may sound strange, but, you know, don't clip it out of the Bible. Don't cut it out of the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And, and it's very, very important that this term bird is used. And we even see in the days of Noah that there were two particular birds that went out from the ark to bring back a message. The raven, when it went out, it was just looking for a place to land and to take care of its own needs and find food. And it, it didn't care too much about being used as a messenger. But the dove... When it went out, it came back unless it, did, it could find the suitable uh, purpose for its message. And when it came back and it brought back 
a, a living substance in his mouth, which was like a symbol of peace. And we see that this dove thing, this bird thing, has been used in a very magnificent way. In fact, though there were creatures that were made uh, prior or at the same time, as it tells us in Genesis, uh, as the, the, the birds, uh, they are right up there at the top of the list. Uh, for in the 20th verse of the, of the first chapter of Genesis, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature, the moving creature, and let the fowl uh, and the fowl that might may fly above the earth in the open firmament. So here we see a distinction of two different levels of creation. Uh, because the conjunction is so closely connected, it would appear that these two creations, the creation of the moving creatures and the fowl to fly, fly above uh, the earth, uh, could have happened during the same time. And uh, we could say the same kind of age, but I think it's even more than that. I think that there's a conjunction there of happening. And I think that the other aspect of the moving creature, you know, that's everything from bacteria to, to perhaps fish and, and, and uh, maybe a little more than that. But the thing that I think is, is uh, significant is that the really, in this particular instance of the scripture, first indication of a personification, of, an, uh, of, an, of a named creature, fowl being a bird, is named. And it's not just a moving creature, it's not just a flying creature, but it is a named creature. So it is a personified creature that really begins uh, a reference to special life uh, upon the planet Earth. And what distinguishes the, the bird over the moving creatures in the water and the creeping creatures upon the Earth is the fact that it could fly above the Earth in the airways, in the heaven, the firmament. And so from that standpoint of it flying above the earth, in the airways of the firmament, there is this very, very, very important and significant indication that is wrought and given by the scripture. Because there in the airway is written a pattern, uh, a pattern of life and a pattern of of a state of existence above the lowest levels of life. So that there is something that has reached the heaven, which is indicative and representative and symbolistical uh, uh, in the fullest sense uh, of a parabolic, parabolic representation uh, of, of heavens above, heavens of the universe, and the heaven of heavens. And so we've got to get this thing. We've got to understand this thing. When we are manifesting this revelation of the bird ministry, it is relevant and it is important because 
it connects to the Merkabah, which are the scriptures about these heavenly space chariots. And, and they are connected with the throne. And these thrones are scripturally depicted as being a part of these Merkabah spacecraft. And it's all tied in, not separately, but all tied in to this aspect, as from my other teaching the last couple of weeks, about the bird, the living bird, and, and, and the importance of that. So I just want to make sure that it is understood, because if, if you miss these points, you're missing out on one of the greatest um, revelations of the time. Now, let me carry this a little further, and let me just show you the importance of, of the Holy Spirit experience, which the Holy Dove is representing. Here's what it says in the book of John, chapter 16. It says, uh, in chapter 16, verse 12, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, we've understood this from the, the last verse of the chapter of St. John, which is very, very outstanding. Verse 25 of the last chapter, verse 21, or, uh, that says, And there are, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now, I have many things to say to you, Jesus says, in, in chapter 16, verse 12. But you cannot bear them now. He's talking about his disciples. He's talking about his followers. He's talking about the people who are really wanting to be into the deep, concentrated things of God. But these particular things are so important to understand because now he, he's going to qualify his statement. I have many, I, ha, I, have, um, I have yet many things to say to you. Now, when I first read that, I left the word yet out because I'm wanting to make a special case of this. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He's ready to reveal them, but the people are not ready to hear them. We've had that situation in the world going on for generations of time. Paul said that the same veil that was over the eyes of the people during the, the age of, of Moses still remained it in his day over the, over the religious world. And over the people. And we see that in verse 13, how be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Now the spirit of truth, different people make different interpretations, but basically this is inferred as being very connected in the personification of the Holy Ghost. And this Holy Ghost ministry, which is symbolized by the descending of the, of the Holy Dove, a bird, is said here in this scripture, when the Spirit of Truth is come, 
He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come, and he shall glorify me. For he shall shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Okay. Can you, from this, get a galaxy understanding, at least, of the super importance of this bird ministry, holy dove ministry of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost? And how that this is spiritually climatized, spiritually symbolized, spiritually represented by this holy dove ministry. And it is saying that there are things that Jesus wanted to say, but he could not yet say them, but he would reveal them later through the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very, very beautiful. Some of the things that, that you know, David shared and that David said, you know, some, some of his, his revelation is... Um, Oh, was just so beautiful and still is beautiful because it's still a living living word, and um, it it it's it's just so so beautiful when we get into these kind of things, uh, such as what you know David David has shared, and one of the things that that David shared David uh, you know shared was that. Um, um, the mercy of God. But then he also said, you know, he said, the Spirit of God has taken my tongue. And I speak things by the Spirit of God that is revealed by the Spirit. Now this is David, the guy that's made mistakes, the guy that's done sins and transgressions and then he explains this thing about sin in Psalms 103 he says uh, verse 2 bless the Lord O O my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquity who healeth all thy diseases God forgives all your iniquities not just one or two of them And then he goes on to explain that in a more specific way. In verse 8, when he says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. And then furthermore, he explains it. Verse 10, and here's a real powerhouse verse. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so so far he removeth our transgressions from us. Like as a father 
pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Now let's get this verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. And so if you're out there, and I've had some people say to me, I'm not worthy to be taught this holy manifest teaching. I have done too many sinful things. I'm reading you the word of God here. God does not deal with people according to their sins. There's a lot of people out there mixed up and confused about that. They think that God deals with them according to their sins. Someone will quote, you know, if you have your hand on the plow and you look back, well then, you know, you're not worthy of the kingdom. But you have to read the whole thing to understand what that is really saying. What that is really saying is that's talking about people who then denounce, like, like Judas did, denounce the Holy Spirit, denounce Jesus Christ, and reach a point where they just uh, refuse to acknowledge that Christ Jesus is real, that God is real. Once after they have already had healings and blessings and had revelation. So that's a totally different situation. But people that have gone out and have, have, have sinned, have made mistakes, have, made, have goofed up, have trespassed against God, the Bible says God doesn't deal with us based on those sins. Oh, I know there's a lot of people preach that that's not the case, but unfortunately they don't know what they're talking about. And I want you to know, if you're out there and God has turned you to listening to these teachings, it is because you are called to know these things, regardless of yourself, regardless of your mistakes, regardless of your sins, regardless of your trespasses. Because God is not dealing with you according to your mistakes and your sins and your trespasses. He's dealing with you according to his grace and his mercy and his love and his power of forgiveness. And I want you to lift up your head. And I want you to lift up your heart. And I want you to understand that God loves you and God has opened the doors of these incredible teachings and revelations to you, to you regardless of your sins. Because God is not dealing with your sins based on deference and based on you being cut out of the picture and based on you being rejected and based on you being put down in such a low region of potentiality to know the truth that you will never get there all the days of your life. God is not dealing that way. God is dealing out of love and forgiveness and peace and a quality of understanding of care that human beings just don't know how to put out in the same nature. Okay, we got that down, and now you can listen freely and get into this. Now we understand that this whole ministry of Jesus started with the bird ministry. It started with the bird ministry. The whole deliverance of the ark and all of the critters on it got its first real understanding of there being a deliverance, of there being a healing of the earth, of there being a, a new life that they could live again on earth by, the, by the, the, the peace message of the dove 
the bird, the dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, the symbol of the Holy Ghost. And so this is a ministry. So when we talk about the birds, we're not crazy. We're not daffy. We're not off into some uh, uh, screwed down, minted piece of black hole that is just ever other step away. We are treading on the same path that is the journey that we angels are being destined and called to take so that we can overcome this mortal body and be returned to the heritage that we once had before we became failed messengers. Now, let's talk about this ministry of Jesus. In John 11.25, Jesus says this astounding and incredulous statement, I am the resurrection. Jesus could not just always say that, as some of you might suppose, because it was not just always instantly in the total knowledge of Jesus to the full extent of what he was or what he was not. It really began at the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this overshadowing of the dove ministry that the voice of God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's when Jesus knew he was on the right path. And the Bible says that he became the Arthur of eternal salvation. He wasn't just born the Arthur of eternal salvation. He became it. So we understand this thing that when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, he did not always have the cognizance of that. Because he did not elect to take on a body of an angel when he made his appearance here on earth as a little babe, as a child. He elected to be the offspring of Abraham. And this is offspring of a line of descent that is tied in to the mortals that have a lot of animal nature in them. And so, what did happen then? Well, even in Hebrews 11.35, and I won't take the time to read all these scriptures, but I'm giving you these scriptures and verses, you can read them. But in Hebrews 11.35, it speaks about these people of the past that were not willing to give up even if they lost their life because they were searching for a city not made with hands and they were searching for a better resurrection. They knew it. They instinctively felt it. They were anointed with an unction. But they didn't know all of the, all of the specific uh, aspects of it. But they knew there was something else out there, something else out there important and supreme and utterly awesome. Now, in this verse here, let's look back in the book of John and let's get into John chapter 5 and let me read this astounding and very awesome scripture 
because it is an opening of the book of God. And, and uh, it's an opening of the gates. And so here we read it now, chapter 5, verse 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. So he is clearly making an example of an awesome Holy Spirit truth. In verse 19 he says, and he was answering the Jews on questions of challenge. Verily, verily, he, this is a double emphasis, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Nothing. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Father likewise. In other words, what the Father shows me, what the Father teaches me, what the Father reveals to me is his will for my ministry. Then those are the things I will do. There's other scriptures very similar to this in which Jesus teaches that, you know, he will not do anything that the Father does not reveal for him to do. He does nothing of his own. He does what the Father shows him. Now, this then is a, is a, a diamond-hardened testimony. An unbreakable, a non-penetratable testimony. What I see the Father do, what the Father teaches me to do, that's what I do. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things. The Father shows him how to do it. He just doesn't automatically have that knowledge because he is still growing up in this body with all the cognitive inherited things of the mortal body that he has inherited from the son of man, Abraham's side of his genetics. And now he said, the father showeth me and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel, for the Father raises up the dead, and it's a greater work, and quickeneth them. Even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. And this is important. Even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. People say, well, I don't understand that, because I thought the resurrection was just a general event, and the resurrection of the dead was of the, of of the good people and of the bad people of the of the sinners and and and, and of the overcomers, and they were all going to be uh, uh, resurrected, and then they were all going to be judged accordingly. That's a different event. That's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is specific resurrection, and this specific resurrection, specialized resurrection, very selective resurrection. It's described here when it says, and it's very important that we don't miss this. Very important. The Son quickeneth whom he will. So, this isn't a general resurrection. This is a 
specific resurrection in which selective people are going to be chosen. So now I'm going to take a break and I'm going to let Jan back at the organ. And I just want to say a few little things here while she's getting the the stop set up. <clears throat> that these songs that we're going to start playing, we're hoping to maybe even bring in several of our local followers and have them singing these songs while Jan is playing them on the organ so that they can be shared with you. So blessed be the name of God. Just let these beautiful melodies anoint you and heal you and set you free. I wouldn't trade him for anything. Oh, yes. Trade him for anything. I can hear the angel's voice calling. I can see the angel's tears are falling.
wow, I love it. I love those songs. I would just like them in singing every time you're playing every one of them. But I guess I've got to save my voice for this long message that I feel on me today. <clears throat> Thank you again, Janet Lee. Okay, now, let's talk about these, these special people, special resurrections that is very clear by the Bible, by the words of Jesus that he's referring to. Well, who is he referring to? Well, he's referring to scriptures, to, to prophecies, to events that have been long predicted in the Bible. You see, the Bible says um, he gave his angels charge concerning thee to lift thee up, lest thou dash thy feet against the stone. These are the people that he's talking about. They are special angels. Say his angels. They're not the cherubim. The, the, the cherubim, you know, they're under the Lord Gabriel, the Lord of hosts Gabriel. They're not the seraphim. They're under the Lord of hosts of a totally higher, very high archy uh, uh, that, that is different than the cherubims and different than the ophanims. And this is the archangel called Michael. So it's not talking about them when it says he gave his angels charge concerning thee. It's not talking about the cherubim. It's not talking about the seraphim. Who is it talking about? It's talking about these special entities, these special angels that would become dignitaries. They wouldn't yet have totally overcome to where they were totally restored back to their ophanim status. But they would be what is called in the Bible <clears throat> elect angels, dignitaries. And they would be called back. And what would be their job? Well, it says he gave them charge. They're going to have a charge. They're going to have a destiny. They're going to have a job concerning Jesus to lift him up, lest he dash his feet against the, the stones, the pricks, as sometimes it is called. So now these are the special ones that the verse really refers to. And like the scripture says, I have many things to tell you, to share with you, but not yet. You're not ready. Well, guess what's happening? This Holy Spirit ministry that's opening up, this gate of time that is opening up, these revelations that are opening up through this manifest uh, holy re reveal is, is just bringing out scriptures that have just been hanging there in suspense and have not been noticed because they have not been shining, because the light has not been shining on them. It has not yet been the time. But now the Bible says the spirit of truth is going to open up the doors, is going to reveal these things that have not been known because it is the Holy Spirit that is destined to do this. And Jesus said, you know, I'm not going to do this. And I've got to go away. If I don't go away, this isn't going to happen. But he says, I am going away. I'm going to be with to my father's house. And you'll be sorry that I'm gone. But he said, it's very important. Because if I don't go away, then I can't open up this, this Holy Ghost reveal, this Holy Ghost personification of the bird ministry. That is not an on-earth soil, dead soil, or, or soil of dust of dirt, but is a is a revelation of of the air of a 
above the earth that is getting into environment uh, that is symbolistic of the heaven of heavens. Now, who are some of these people? Well, the Bible says David is one of them. In Jeremiah 30, verse 9, and Ezekiel 37, 24, those two scriptures say David is coming back. He's one of them that's coming back. It, it, no wonder the scripture says, the Lord said to my Lord, you know, sit on the side here, just hold off for a little bit until we're ready to put you into your job, till we're ready to put you into the message that you will be broadcasting. Then there's Enoch. Read Jude. I mean, he's coming with tens of thousands of saints. He's coming again. The Bible says in the Old Testament that he was, he was translated so that he would not see death because there was a destiny on him. Moses and Elijah, they came back on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's just a little teeny bit re revealed. There's a lot more could be said about those two individuals. And Jacob, oh, does it ever have a lot to say about Jacob? There's incredible revelations. We'll be into that in a little bit on some of those revelations about Jacob. And, and there's just all kinds of beautiful, awesome scriptures about this teaching of this, of this holy dove bird ministry uh, that, that is the, about the spirit of truth and that is destined of God, and it's about the Holy Spirit descending, uh, that shows that it's coming down to levels where we can take advantage of it. Because heretofore, uh, that, those events, it has been in such a high echelon of, of, um, of, of Holy Spirit, Spirit archive and Holy Holy Spirit um, uh, special place uh, of separation uh, that it hasn't been able to be available, but very very selectively. But now suddenly, many many persons have the uh, the acquisition and the potentiation to receive this power of the Holy Spirit, and it is going to reveal things that have been hidden. It's going to tell secrets. It's going to tell uh, a, a phenomenon phenomenal uh, insights. So we are excited. Now, let's go on here. Let's, let's, let's look at Psalms 110, 1 through 6. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And it said in verse 3, the people will be willing to follow you in the day of thy power. So there is a day of power that is opening up. There is a day of the most outstanding uh, uh, proverbs being brought to pass in which we are beating the, the, the plowshares into swords <coughs> and then right away taking those swords and beating them back into, into plowshares of peace so that we are doing a washing and a cleansing <clears throat> of these different acts. Oh, how important and awesome that that is. Now, let's, let's look into this. This obviously is an important scripture because you find it also in Matthew twenty two forty four, Mark twelve thirty six, Luke twenty forty three, and in Acts two thirty five. Um, um, you know, um, because it in Acts two thirty five it specifically says David not ascended. So so now um, 
we're we're beginning to we're beginning to get into some exciting things. Let's go to the book of Acts and see how that this is repeated again. This 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 whole revelation that the people were questioning and challenging Jesus on. You know, when when Jesus began to reveal that scripture, they could not they could not answer it. They they could they could not uh, you know keep up with these kind of revelations and so it said from that day on they just stop even asking Jesus because they just didn't know what to do with the strange doctrine and incredible uh, capabilities of of all the things that uh, that he could say but now uh, let's just um, let's just take a look here at um, um, uh, Acts um, 2.25 you know <clears throat> for David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Now, we see there are situations that most people have not even been aware of that has been a case, that has been an actuation, that has been an involve. And these things have all been for a purpose and they are all uh, part of, of the signs and wonders that are to, to happen in the heaven above and on the earth beneath and are all important for the fulfillment of the, of the receiving of the power of the gift of the knowledge and the wisdom that is to be revealed through this bird-dove ministry. Now, let's just look at some more interesting things. But... To which of the angels, and this is in Hebrews, said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, I've heard it interpreted so incorrectly. People say, see there, none of the angels, that's what Jesus is saying, none of the angels was this ever said to. This was only said to, to, to Jesus. Uh, you know, the Lord said to my Lord or God to my God. It's only said to him. But that's just totally, absolutely incorrect. Because that isn't just the way it happens at all. And it would miss the whole boat. It would, and the boat be in the ark. It would, the ark of the covenant, the ark of, of Noah, it would miss the whole show. That is not it. And that is why that in the 14th verse of Hebrew uh, 1, it says, Are they not all ministering angels sent forth to minister for those who shall be the heirs of salvation? There are particular ministering angels that are conclusively selected. And they are those who are the same angels that it speaks of. And I'll tell you another person that's part of this, and that's Peter. And, and um, it's just exciting. It's just very, 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 very exciting. So, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool? You know, okay. Now, let's, let's read a little bit more about this scripture. In Matthew twenty-two forty-two through 45, <clears throat> it says, what Jesus says, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is, the, is he? And they said, why, he's the son of David. Then in the 43rd verse, Jesus said, How then does David in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, call him Lord, saying, 
The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And this is the, the miracle revelation. This is the important revelation that has got to be understood by the people. And that is here for you today to know. And here for you today to be able to get into the wisdom of it and the glory of it. Because without having this understanding of transassimilation, then we cannot understand that when the, when, uh, the disciples of Jesus came to Jesus as he was ministering, and they said, you know, basically we're sorry to interrupt you, but um, your mother and brethren are standing outside waiting to talk to you. And Jesus said to them, who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he pointed to his disciples as being his brethren. So we begin to see the transitions that happen. We begin to understand better the Melchizedek revelation. Without father, without mother, without family, without line of, of descent. There is something pearl about this. There is something 100% gold about this. There is something enchanting, provocative, and revealing of the highest order about this. And the disciples were beginning to catch on, but it was very deep and very tough. And Jesus said, except you eat my blood and drink, you know, Except you eat my, my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have part of the kingdom. Because he was talking about transassimilation. He was talking about that there is one major entity that is called to do this major work. But he does not do it alone. Because these other people that he brings in, they do it through transassimilation by taking by taking Jesus into themselves in such a way that when they partake of the communion, they are, they are by the Spirit, literally partaking of the, of the flesh body life that Jesus lived, of the blood body life that Jesus lived, and therefore become one with him. And John just preached that over and over and over, this oneness of, uh, of those people with, with, uh, with Jesus Christ. And now we then begin to see what Jesus was trying to tell these people. How David could call himself, he, he called him, called the Lord, Lord, and yet, you know, um, Jesus being his son. We know that in the first chapter of Matthew, it says that Jesus is, is the son of David and the son of Abraham. <laughs> He's the son of both of these. How does that happen? It only happens through transassimilation. That's the only way that that happens. Without understanding that transassimilation, then you cannot really understand what it is talking about. So the Bible says in Isaiah 45 through 6, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it. So there is something going to be revealed here that is magnification in the physical realm. It's, it's a physical thing, not just spirit. It has spirituality too, but it's not just spirit. Then we have the incredible revelation, you know, that is just astounding. Um, 
<clears throat> let's let's let me just take a break and go to Isaiah, and we're we're going to look at I, Isaiah forty four, and I just want to read a couple scriptures over in that area. So Isaiah forty four, um, and, and we're we're looking at uh, verse five through seven, and he, here here is what it says: One shall say, "I am the Lord's." Another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. Another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, I am the last. Here we get into the Alpha Omega ministry. Uh, Beside me there is no God. And who as I shall call and shall declare, and he's talking about these angels that are going to be selected, that he's going to have a special resurrection of. And and who, as I shall call, shall declare it and set in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming shall come, let them show unto them. Now we have this thing of Jacob being represented within the the physical covenant of the Lord Jesus, of taking on the physical body life in by transassimilation, and they go by different names. Like, for instance, some of these people of the Old Testament uh, and, and of the New Testament, you know, people, they, they, ha- they had different names. They had all kinds of different names. And the Bible actually teaches about this thing, about the different names. And uh, it talks about uh, uh, the, the different names that were, uh, you know, uh, uh, subscribed to these different people. And it's extremely very, very important and very interesting. So let's, let's share this with you. How many people would know that John mentioned in the book of Acts in, in several different places that John, when you take his sur- subscribed name that he was called, it was Mark. So now they say they don't really know who this Mark is that uh, wrote the oldest New Testament book. Mark is considered to be the oldest book of the New Testament. They really don't know who that is, but yet the Bible tells us. Now, someone will say, yeah, but that's not talking about the same John and the same uh, same Mark. Well, that's what you say. And that's what a few theologians say. But I'm saying we've got to keep our mind open. Because it's, this name that, that John w- was subscribed to have, Mark, is more than just any kind of a name. When you start thinking of the Mark, and then you think of John and his revelation about the Mark of the Beast, and also about the mark that is put in the forehead of all the overcomers. And by that, by that mark, once it is seen, once it is, re- once it is, is, is realized that Lucifer, Satan, has to back away. He, he is limited on what he can do without permission to do it uh, for, for any of those people who have the mark uh, uh, and of the sealing in their forehead. So then this whole thing about that just really has never been uh, any kind of a major subject in the Bible of the same nature is, is suddenly just pronounced 
by his very name, Mark. And then he writes the oldest uh, Testament gospel, and, and, and his name is both Mark and John. Now, we're seeing here in this 44th chapter of Isaiah that one shall say, I am the Lord's. Another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. Another subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and sir, name himself by the name of Israel. We've got all these different names that are coming up, but these names don't mean that they are literally totally a different person in the sense of not being um, intermingled in the mind of, of Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me take this just a, a, little, a little bit uh, uh, further because we're beginning to see this glory that's going to be revealed in, in flesh, you know. Let's look at Isaiah 49.5. This is an awesome scripture. Isaiah 49.5. Okay, listen to this. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob again to him. Here's Jacob coming back. Bring Jacob again to him. Sometimes people are formed in the, the womb. They go back into a regeneration. And they are formed in that womb not to take on the, the genetics of, of their, their physical mother or their physical father. But there is, there is suddenly a super uh, connection that happens going back in time in which uh, they are either taking on a direct connection to Adam, a direct connection uh, to Eve, a direct connection to David, a direct connection uh, to, as it shows here, Jacob. And, and it's, it's something that, you know, is called the dance of the genes in the manifest teachings. You know, when these things happen, they're awesome. Now, let me read, read this because it's important. Now, saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Wow. Now, is that all that we have to say? No. Let's go to Isaiah 26. And this one ought to really put you in the swimming pool of the glories of God. Isaiah 26, because it just puts the living touch on that. Isaiah 26, verse 19. Thy dead men, thy dead men shall live together with my dead body and shall arise. Awake and sing, you that dwell in the dust. For the dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter thou into my chambers, shut the doors about thee, hide thyself as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. Wow. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. I don't know how that it could be made any more important. I, I don't know how that, that we could make it more specific. But if we need to, we will. But to which of the angels said he at any time set on my right hand till I make thy till I make thy enemies a footstool? To which of the angels? Well, to these angels that Jesus said, I will resurrect those to whom I will. Those special angels that are destined 
to be those angels that the, the Lord said, he has given his angels charge concerning thee to lift thee up. Now even Lucifer Satan knew that scripture. And he didn't like it. He didn't like it. Now is this a thing that Lucifer himself never ever thought to do? <laughs> no. He's a counterfeiter. Anything that he sees God doing through Christ and knows pro- prophecy-wise that it's coming, uh, you know, he's going to copy, he's going to duplicate, duplicate, uh, make a duplicate of. Uh, but let's, let's just look here at another scripture that, that just goes to, to, to show that. In chapter, uh, in, the, in the book of Jude, verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old, who were before of old ordained to to this con, uh, condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There were ancient people that lived that were very evil and Lucifer Satan is involved in bringing them back and it mentions it right here in Jude and they were, they're ancient and they're going to be brought back to do a work against the kingdom of God. So this is something that is happening on both sides of the fence. And it is a known Bible revelation that whenever God makes a provision to open up something from the deep, that that provision, once having been opened, then allows that to also be opened on the other side of the fence so that the principalities of darkness have the same opportunity provision and then they begin to do those same things. And so we've got to get it down. We've got to nail it. And we've got to clinch that nail so that it stays in place because these revelations are to set us free and to really begin to understand the Bible. So when it says, you know, why would David do this? Because David had an understanding because he says, you know, I'm not speaking these things just by my own mouth. He said, the Spirit is coming upon me and the Spirit is bringing out these things and taking charge of my tongue. And so he is speaking them and even Jesus says that David is speaking these things by the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit again is involved. Now when the Holy Spirit again is involved in revealing all these things, we have to think back to when the Holy Spirit descended. And the Holy Spirit descended as the form of a dove, a bird, and landed, lighted upon Jesus. And thus began this incredible miracle. So this thing of the bird is important because of the symbol symbol that it represents of the patterns of the heavens. And and so when we think of this bird ministry, we think of this revelation uh, of of that awesome uh, thing that is so very, very, very important. Now, here then, as we begin to get into these revelations. What do we think about when it says in Matthew chapter 1 that David is the uh, son or that, pardon me, that Jesus is the son of David? Well, David symbolically represented the throneship of Israel. And so in the sense that he symbolically represents the throneship of, 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 of Israel, In that sense, he symbolically represents the throneship of Jesus Christ, Yahweh, 
over Israel. And so there's all these transmissions that must be understood and that must be put into place because without that, we cannot understand it. So then when we read in Hebrews 6.20 how that Jesus is chosen after the order of Melchizedek, and a person say, what? How can Jesus be after the order of anybody else? Well, you have to understand that. You know, without father, without mother, without brother, you know, without descent. You know, this is a special revelation. This is saying that, you know, in Jesus Christ, there is there is neither male nor female. That in uh, Jesus Christ, there is, um, uh, you know, the uh, Bible says that in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. There's a lot of things that have to be understood here. But as we begin to dig into this, and get into the, into the gist of it. This What is this revelation about after the order of Melchizedek? Well, after the order of Melchizedek is so important because that <clears throat> that ties into all these, these incredulous things that happen. Like, for instance, in Hebrew, where it tells that, that um, Levi, having not yet been born, but being in the loins of Abraham, paid tithes through being in the loins of Abraham to Melchizedek. Now we are beginning to see a genetic significance of things that are destined, that even though they are not brought forth out of the genes, they are there in the gene stream and they are destined to come and they will come and they they will make their tie-ins like this, like Levi did by paying tithes while still in his body, in the, gen, in the, in the gene genetic, to Melchizedek. <clears throat> what is that about? That is bringing forth special individuals. That is a resurrection sense. That is the re-engeneration sense of bringing forth specific individuals that have been destined to come and have a ministry on this earth which is a bird ministry of the Holy Ghost dove of the Holy Spirit being personified because there's the Holy Spirit being poured out the 30-fold level the 60-fold level but until it is in the 100-fold level which is the fullness of the Holy Ghost it is not in the personified level therefore it is it's not the Holy Ghost, it's just the Holy Spirit. Someone said, well, isn't the Holy Spirit the same as the Holy Ghost? No, because the Holy Spirit is diffused. And the Spirit can break up into many different uh, uh, separations and diffusions. And, and But when it is all put into one denomination of appearance, it's all put into one order of appearance, then it's after the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus being after the order of Melchizedek was all part of this ministry that was, was part of the bringing back of the ancients and bringing back of the select different ones who were destined to come and be a part of those who the Bible says would would uh, be charged with, with with the ministry of bearing Jesus up, lest he dash his feet against the stones. And so this awesome revelation and this uh, super uh, fulfillment of, of explanation about uh, not only regeneration but transassimilation is happening in our day. 
And the Lord said to my Lord. Who who was the Lord said to my Lord? Well, when we get into Hebrews, we find out, you know, who that really was. Uh, because it then puts in there, God, uh, you know, to my God. So And it has the same information about this thing about, you know, about, you know, uh, uh, the scripture that Jesus is bringing out, you know, uh, to which of the angels at any time uh, did he say, uh, you know, sit on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. It's all tied into that too. So we see the God to my God is the Father God to Jesus God or the Lord the Father to the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, Yahweh, or as some people call call him, uh, with their various other biblical names. So, as we begin to get into the meat of this, and we begin to see the revelation of this, this whole revel- whole, whole awesome, uh, you know, abiding truth that has just been in the state of suspense <clears throat> and waiting to be revealed is just being poured out, you know, like a new wine upon the people. And blessed be the name. Okay. Now, I want to keep moving on because I have so much to share with you. It is so exciting. Just absolutely exciting. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Okay. Now, let's look at a couple things. Just to give you scriptures to verify this. Who is my mother and who are my brethren? You you can find that in Matthew twelve forty six to forty seven. And then it says, and he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, "Behold, my mother." Now we don't doubt that there wasn't some female uh, disciples there, but I don't think that it made any difference. I think if he just had all men there, that he could have said. Behold my mother and my brethren. Because he says, whosoever, having nothing to do with with, with uh, sex bias, whosoever shall do the will of my brother, which is in, uh, the will of my father, which is in heaven, talking about the Father God, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And we remember in John nineteen twenty five through 27, when Jesus on the cross turned to his mother and said, Mother, thy, thy son, turning and pointing to the disciple John. And then he looks at the disciple John and he points to his mother and he says, with his words and his expressions, John, my disciple, thy mother. That's John nineteen twenty-five through 27. Wow. Is that exciting? Of course it's exciting. Because we're beginning to get into this total understanding. In Isaiah 44 it says, And who as I shall call, and shall declare it, and set in order for all, since I appointed the ancient people. And in Isaiah 46.10, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, the things not yet done. And in Daniel 7, 9 through 13, And the Ancient of Days did set. And it talks about the thrones that come down. In the New Testament, in the book of, of Revelations, it talks about the, 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 the dignitaries. 
There's dignitaries like Revelation uh, uh, 22, 6 through 9, and Revelations 19 through 10. These are people that, like in a case in where this this fellow appears to, to John and begins to reveal revelation to him, and then he just falls on his knees and begins to worship this man. And this man says, no, 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 don't do that, stop. I am one of you. I'm one of the prophets. I'm one of the brethren. And that was an astounding revelation to John. But this man was an elect angel, a a dignitary. He was doing the work of being a special resurrection of Jesus. Who Jesus said, I will resurrect whom I will. And I've learned and been showed how to do this from from the Father. And, um, And I may go over just a little bit for some of the things I've got to finish here. But I'll just have my wife stand by. So as we begin to see this, and we begin to get into it, it is so exciting. It is so awesome. We've got these dignitaries. We've got these elect angels. And in Colossians 1.16, it mentions the thrones. And, and it has been very well suspicioned that these thrones also represent particular kind of angels. So when Jesus says, sit on the right hand of the throne until I make thy enemies thy footstool, there's deep meaning to that. There's deep meaning to that. So it is a moment of getting in to the most awesome recognition of God and seeing God in a way that the light has not shown before. So in in Rome... Um, Romans nine nine twenty two through twenty three, we talked about what if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and we talked about the brute beast that it mentions in Jude uh, ten. We read this to you before, but we begin to see that along with Jude Jude four of the certain men before of old ordained, and all of these incredible things that there has been a plan. Just like in Isaiah forty five eighteen, it says, you know, that the earth was created to be to be uh, not in vain, to to be inhabited. We we really begin to get into some of the revelations of this thing about uh, the awesomeness of uh, of you know the Elohim and and of all of those meanings as as they they tied in we we talk about you know the the goies the the, the uh uh other kinds of of uh meanings that that had to particular people uh i don't have the time to go back over that today but uh the dignitaries you know uh what you see the manifest says is not what is what you see it's what is not. People are out here looking at individuals and sometimes not understanding that they are entertaining angels unaware. That there are particular people that are of a special resurrection and they have, they have come back into human bodies and they have a particular work which is a ministry to, to lift up the feet of Jesus that they not be kicked against the stones. And it's an exciting time it you know 
in Hebrews thirteen thirteen it says, Here we have no continuous no continuous city. So we begin to see that there is a plan and it's not simple Simon. It has to do with transfigurations like with Moses and Elijah and it has to do with angels that appear and take on bodies for their ministry. It, it has to do with with the 1 Corinthians 4, 6 where it talks about transferred in a figure. And in Romans twelve two, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind and the transfiguration of Jesus spoken of in Mark 17, 2, uh, or pardon me, Matthew 17, 2 and Mark 9, 2. Now, last week we talked about, or and the week before, these these vehicles, these vehicles that were living vehicles. And I will not have the time to do the whole teaching on that. But I want to share with you this much before I bring this message to a, uh, to a close. That Hebrews 11 said, faith is the substance of things seen and seen and not made of things that appear. And how that when people think they are seeing a UFO and that it's from aliens and they think they're seeing something that is physical in the same sense of airplanes, they just don't know that what they are seeing is not what it really is. Because the substance of how those Ziths are made as living, living creation of energy is much like how the, the Bible says in John 1.14, the Word was made flesh. So here we have the literalization of something that is spoken, just a word that has spirit energy being able to be turned into flesh. Well, next week, I want to get into more about this, this ship. And I want I will show you scriptures that will astound you. I will show you how that is in the Bible and how that these scriptures are there describing how that spirit is used to make living things that are like ships of God, chariots of God. And they they look physical, they feel physical and they have a physical aspect to them but they are more than just that they are actually a living energy that is spirit and this spirit revelation that I'm going to get into will really dignify the revelation of the bird ministry and will really show the importance of this and how that we are moving by God into a new land of memory, a new land of foliage that is blooming and blossoming and blooming. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and prepare you for this next teaching that is coming.
God bless you. Janet Lee at the organ. <coughs>